all did with that song. Let's give them a round of applause. That was, that was truly awesome. And uh, a round of applause to the king. And uh, I tell you what, I have, uh, you know, we, we pulled up in the parking lot here, and we were, my wife and I were just sitting out in the parking lot, and Brother George Jones came up, and we rolled the window down, and he prayed for me through the window of my car. And uh, Brother George, where'd you go? Where are you? Yeah, he's back there. Thank you, brother. That meant a lot to me. And uh, man, we've just already met so many great people. Isn't it great to be around brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, there is just nothing like that. And Keith, thank you for what you said. Uh, you know, like Keith said, we met each other 36 years ago, and and uh, we we've actually stayed friends over 36 years. And uh, listen, I call Keith Boyd my friend but he is also a great man of God. Now, he would probably not say that. He would probably say, I'm not a great man of God. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And you know, I thought about that, Keith. That's probably the best thing that any of us could say about each other is that we're just a sinner saved by grace. Now, listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I don't know where I would be. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about me. And like Keith said, my wife Paula is here, and I'm so glad that she's here this morning. We just celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary. And I know, I know, some of y'all are out there looking at me like, how can that be? Well, it was a prearranged marriage. I was 10 and she was 9. So, uh, But seriously, I really appreciate her being here this morning. She is my rock. And uh, I love her more now than I did 45 years ago. Now, I'm not a pastor or a preacher. I'm a Sunday school teacher. And uh, Keith has already told you that I have an identical twin brother and who's pastor of First Baptist Morristown. He tells his congregation all the time that if they see him doing something he's not supposed to be doing, that it's not him, it's me. <laughs> and he actually tells his congregation that I am the evil twin. Listen, I have developed a complex over this. But we do look a lot alike. I guess the Lord loved us so much that he made two of us. I teach a class at our church in Knoxville, Severe Heights Baptist Church. Uh, I got to tell you this uh, one funny quick story. One of the members of our class had a 95-year-old grandmother that just went home to be with the Lord. And he shared a conversation that he had with his grandmother just a couple of days before she passed. It seems that his grandmother was from Oklahoma, and her husband, who had already gone on to be with the Lord, who was Papaw, he was buried in Oklahoma. She was very concerned that she be buried next to Papaw in Oklahoma. She asked her grandson, how are you going to get me back to Oklahoma after I go see Jesus? And he said, well, Granny, after you pass, we'll just put you on a plane to get you back. And she said, uh-uh, ain't no way I'm flying. <laughs> and he said, Granny, it won't matter because you really won't be there. She said, let me tell you something. I ain't getting on no plane, and you ain't putting me on no plane. Listen, brothers and sisters, they didn't sing I'll Fly Away at her funeral. 
Well, listen, before we get into the Word this morning, let's, let's go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. As we open your word, we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. You know, I love God's word, but, but the book of Psalms, I believe, um, it's one of my favorites. You know, uh, it's some of my favorite scripture. The Psalms is a book of poetry. It's a Jewish hymn book. And I believe that Psalms deals with just about every emotion that a human being can go through. It's full of praise and exaltation to God, but it also deals with sorrow and pain and crying out to God. And, and, and it's about repentance and pouring the authors pouring their heart out to God. Now, the teacher inside of me wants to go into great detail about the background of Psalms, but we just don't have time this morning. The choir, you did such a wonderful job, and, and brothers and sisters, you know what they were singing. The brother read that this morning, Psalm 3, and that's what the Lord has laid on my heart to talk about this morning, is Psalm 3. Listen, I remember the first time I heard that song, I was going through a really, really rough time in my life. I really, I don't even remember what it was, but I put that CD into my car, player and I listened to that song and I started listening to the words of that song and as I listened to the words of that song the Lord began to strengthen my faith and he reminded me that he was there for me and would never leave me or forsake me I was so captured by that song I wanted to go to God's word and find out the background and where that psalm came from now before we get to Psalm 3 this morning I want to remind you of a couple of things. Jesus gives us a promise in John 16, that not a lot of people have as their life verse, and you'll understand why when I say it. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation or trouble. Now, how's that for a promise? Job says in Job 14, one man who is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. The fact of the matter is that the Christian life is not free of struggle and adversity. And we all deal with things and we go through things. Everyone in this room has experienced trouble in their lives. Now, I know your church is much like ours. Uh, we share prayer requests with each other. As a matter of fact, in our Sunday school class that we have, my wife Paula takes those requests and she records them all in an email and sends them out to everyone so that we can pray for one another. Now listen, some of those prayer requests are really hard and they seem to deal with just about everything. We all live in this sin-sick, fallen world. And listen, I don't fully understand everything there is to understand about pain and suffering and why we go through it and why it is worse for some people than it is for others. But let me ask you this question this morning. How do we handle this trouble in our lives? Do we try to figure it out on our own and manipulate our circumstances? Or do we trust God and ask the Holy Spirit to direct us and lead us? Listen, we learn more about ourselves in times of trouble in our walk with the Lord than at any other time. 
Sometimes we're afraid when we're going through trouble. Sometimes we're mad at the circumstances or mad at God. How could you let this happen to me or to my family member? I've been faithful to you and this is my payback. And sometimes we, su we suffer extreme depression over our troubles. But let me ask you this morning, do we allow the difficulties and troubles in our lives to overwhelm us? Or do we say, Lord, I will trust you with all my heart. I will not lean to my own understanding because I don't know what is going on. But I am acknowledging you in every area of my life. And Lord, you said when I did that and do that, that you will direct my paths. Now, as we get into Psalm 3, let me ask you a question about David or King David in the Bible. What is the first thing you think of when you hear the name David or King David in the Bible? Well, for most of us, it's probably how he, uh, as a young teenage boy, uh, became the national hero of Israel and defeated the great giant Goliath in the Valley of Elah. And for other people, the first thing you think of was his adulterous affair that he had with Bathsheba and how he had Bathsheba's husband killed to hide her pregnancy. Listen, David's life seemed to be a lot of really high highs and really low lows. Let me give you just a brief timeline of David's life. He was the youngest son of Jesse and was anointed king. He became that national hero of Israel when he defeated the great giant Goliath. He became the son-in-law of King Saul only to be accused of sedition and have to run from his own father-in-law for seven long years in the wilderness. He then became the king of Israel. He united both the northern and southern kingdoms together. He made them arguably the most powerful nation in the world at that time. He was the treasured singer-songwriter of Israel. Then he committed adultery with Bathsheba, as we mentioned before, and had her husband killed to hide her pregnancy. Shortly after the child was born, it died. And then things even got worse for King David. His daughter, Tamar, was raped by his own son. Another son, Absalom, had that son killed. And then one of the toughest times of his life, and what we'll be looking at today, is that David had to flee from his own flesh and blood son, Absalom, who wanted to take his kingdom and wanted to kill him. Now, if you read Psalm 3, and we're going to go there this morning, if you read Psalm 3, it was written during a time when David was fleeing from his own flesh and blood son, Absalom. Absalom was trying to kill him, was trying to take his kingdom away from him. Now, David was probably in his 50s when he wrote this. But I want you to think about this. He wrote this psalm while he was going through this trouble in his life, not after everything was restored. Now, how do I know that? Well, you, all you have to do is look at verse 7 that says, uh, Psalm chapter 3, verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. This shows that it was written in the present tense. Lord, save me now. If it had been written after everything was okay and restored, he would have said, the Lord saved me. But it's written in the present tense. So David is writing this psalm while he is going through this really hard time of trouble. 
Now, if you like to write in your Bible, I like to write in my Bible. I write all over my Bible, and uh, some people don't like to do that, but I like to do that. If you like to do that, out beside verses 1 and 2, write the word seed, S-E-E-S. Now, that is what David sees with his eyes. It's the circumstances that he sees. And this is the trouble that he sees all around him. Now, in the first two verses of Psalm 3, David is lodging his complaint before God. Now, if you look at the heading of Psalm 3, it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now, Absalom in Hebrew means my father is peace. But for David, he was going through a time in his life when it was anything but peace. And it was a direct result of his own son trying to take his kingdom and his life. Look at Psalm chapter 3, verse 1. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Now, the story behind Psalm 3 is taken from 2 Samuel, beginning with chapter 15. Listen to what verse 12 says. And the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. Choir, many are they increased that trouble me. You sang about it a while ago. Verse 13 says, Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Many are they that rise up against me, choir. Listen, David was losing his people. He was losing his army. It was a coup attempt taken straight out of the headlines of today. Now most of us don't have a kingdom or an army that is threatening us, but we do have times of trouble when it seems like all the demons of hell are coming against us or we have those that we've trusted that have turned against us. Look at verse 2. Many are those, many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. Now this may be the lowest point that a believer can go. There is no help, there is no hope for me in God. Again, maybe you don't have a group of people saying this about you like David did, but it seems like the enemy and his hordes are telling you you're finished. You have no hope. Your situation is hopeless. This illness that you're going through will take you out. You're going to lose all of your finances. You will never overcome this sin that has plagued your life as a believer. There is no help or hope for you in God. He has long since forgotten you. Charles Spurgeon said, Virgin said, if all the trials which come from heaven and all the temptations which ascend from hell and all the crosses which arise from the earth could be mixed and pressed together, they would not make a trial so terrible as that which is contained in this verse. It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. And David had to be heartbroken. His own son was out to take his kingdom. His own son was trying to kill him. I want you to look at the things that David was faced with losing. Now, he was a king, but think about this now. First thing he was faced with losing was his kingdom. He was a mighty king, but he was leaving his kingdom behind because his own son was trying to kill him. Secondly, his wealth. He was a wealthy man, but he was leaving it all behind to run from Absalom. Thirdly, his people and his friends 
Fourthly, he was faced with losing his home. Listen, when David was a younger man, he spent seven long years in the wilderness running from his father-in-law, Saul. Then he was elevated to king, and now here he is running back into the wilderness. And then probably the worst thing he faced losing was his son. This had to be the greatest loss. How could his own flesh and blood son do this to him? He lost his relationship with him, and it leads to devastation at the end of this story as Absalom is killed. Yet David, listen, he was going through trouble. Trouble, trouble, brothers and sisters, like many of us have. And yet he doesn't lose, David doesn't lose his relationship with the Lord. And he sits down and he writes this psalm of praise while he is going through his trouble. That's very important to understand. I personally believe this is why the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Now, if, if you like to write in your Bible, again, uh, next to the rest of the verses in that uh, chapter 3, write the word believes, because this is what David believes. And he gives us eight faith declarations that I want to share with you this morning. And maybe this will help you and me and all of us in this room when we are facing trouble and adversity to see how David handles this trouble. Here's the first one. The first part of verse 3, he's, he, David basically is saying, you are the God of protection. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. The choir sang about it so beautifully this morning. Circle that word shield in your Bible. It is the Hebrew word magin, the magin David, the shield of David, literally the star of David. What's on the Israeli flag, brothers and sisters? It is the magin David, the star of David. What's on all the ambulances that are in Israel? You know, we have the Red Cross on our ambulances, but in Israel they have the magin David Adom, the red shield or the red star of David. Maybe David thought back to what God had said to Abram in Genesis 15, 1. Listen to this verse. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God told Abram, I am your magin. I am your shield. Lord, you are my shield. You are my protector. Listen, brothers and sisters, that word shield right there, doesn't just mean the front, it means the back, above the head, below the feet. Literally, God is the cocoon of my protection. Now, look at the second thing that David, that, that he declares. He says that you are the God of encouragement, and it's the second part of verse 3 there. You are my glory and the one who lifts up my head. And I'll just proclaim to you, brothers and sisters, this morning that God is my glory. My existence here on this earth is about my relationship with Him, and I hope that you can say that as well. My glory is not in the significance of my job. My glory is not in my bank account. My glory is not in how many possessions that I have. My glory is not in the kind of car that I drive. My glory is not in the kind of house that I live in. My glory is not in how powerful or famous 
or popular I am. My glory is in the Lord. He is my source of encouragement. Lord, you are the one when I am downcast in the storms of life or swirling all around you, around me. You are my glory and the one who lifts up my head. Have you ever seen someone that is down and they look down? Chances are they're walking around with their heads down. They're defeated and they look defeated. Then God reminds them that their protection and encouragement is through him. And it's like he gently takes them by the chin and raises their head up, the lifter of my head, and says, look at me. Don't look at all these circumstances that are around you. Look at me and don't take your eyes off of me. He is my glory and the lifter of my head. Listen, the word encourage means to add courage. The word discourage means to take courage away. Lord, you are my glory and the lifter of my head. What else does David proclaim here? Here's the third thing. You are the God of answered prayer, and it's verse 4. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Remember, brothers and sisters, when did he write this? After everything was resolved? No, he wrote it while he was right in the midst of the mess. He declared the victory before he saw the victory. Here, is he, here he is exercising his faith again. He says, he heard me. Lord, I'm in this valley. I'm in this mess, but I believe in you, and I believe that you will be with me through this storm and get me through this storm. Here's the fourth thing that David declares. You are the God of rest. In the first part of verse 5, I lay down and slept. Have you ever heard the saying that the best mattress in the world doesn't guarantee a good night's sleep? How many have heard that? Have you ever been so troubled that you can't sleep? You wake up at 2 in the morning and your mind clicks into gear. One of my problems is waking up in the middle of the night thinking about everything that will happen the next day or things that I forgot to do the day before, uh, worrying about everything about business. My phone is on the table next to uh, my side of the bed, and my wife can testify this. I'm up emailing myself, reminding myself of things that I needed to do or forgot to do. Or maybe you lay awake at night and you worry about your finances, or you worry about your kids or your grandkids. Have you ever had any of that happen to you? Listen, did you hear about the two friends that saw each other on the street? One said, man, you don't look so good. And the other one said, well, I'm sleeping like a baby. And the other guy said, really? And he said, yes, I wake up every two hours screaming and crying. <laughs> and some of us can relate to that. David is saying that he slept. He was not consumed by the adversity that he was dealing with. And, Lord, our, may our prayer be, give us that sweet sleep. Give us that rest. Give us that sweet Holy Spirit confidence in you. Well, he's already said, you're the God of my protection. You're the God of my encouragement. You're the God of answered prayer, and you're the God of my rest. Look what else he says here. The fifth thing, you're the God of a new day. The end of verse 5, I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Listen, one of the characteristics of depression is someone who just can't get up. 
They want to lay in bed all day and not face life. David got up. He didn't lay in bed all day. He said, I can face this brand new day because the Lord has sustained me. Brothers and sisters, we all need to say that. How many, listen, I know I'm meddling right now, but how many people wake up on Sunday morning and the enemy whispers in their ear, let's stay out today. Have you ever heard that before? It's been a long week. We can spend some quality time alone here in the house just me and the Lord. Hey, I can watch the service online or I can watch another TV preacher. It'll be just like I'm there. Let's just lay out this morning. And they end up becoming what I call part of the great pajama cathedral that happens on Sunday morning. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Lord is whispering in your ear, Get up! I want to go to church! The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I want to go to church. Get yourself a shower, eat something, and get out the door and go to church. God wants to give us the strength to face a brand new day, whatever we're going through, in the victory and assurance that he will see us through. Well, here's the sixth thing this morning. You are the God of courage, verse 6. Look at verse 6. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. How many of y'all remember the story of Elisha the prophet in 2 Kings 6? Elisha was being hunted by the entire Syrian army. His servant gets up in the morning to fix the soldiers and peeks out the curtain, and he sees the entire Syrian army surrounding them. And he goes and wakes Elisha up, and he says, Get up, get up, we're goners. They're surrounded up. But Elisha begins to pray. And he tells his servant, greater are those who are with us than the ones who are out there to kill us. And he asks God to open up his servant's eyes and he goes back and looks again and he sees the mountain full of the horses and chariots of fire of the Lord of hosts. As Chris Tomlin wrote in his song, I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind, the God of angel armies is always on my side. Here's the seventh thing that David proclaims, a proclamation of faith. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Listen, in David's day, the greatest act of humiliation to an enemy was smack him in the face, or as we say in East Tennessee, smack him upside the head. That was the greatest act of humiliation. But when we study the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, we always look to find Jesus. And I like these verses that were written in Psalms in the Old Testament before Jesus came because it's exactly what our Savior did at Calvary. He humiliated our enemy. He smacked our enemy upside the head. And Satan took an uppercut death blow at Calvary and Joseph's empty tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the Nike. That's the Greek word there, the victory. Let's look at what else he says here. Number eight, and this is the last one this morning. He says, You are the God of salvation. 
verse 8. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Now, if you like to write in your Bible, again, circle that word salvation. That word is used 136 times in the Psalms. Did you know what the Hebrew word for salvation is? Yeshua. What did Gabriel say to Mary in Matthew 1.21? You will call his name Yeshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins and you too. Lord, you are Yeshua. You are my salvation, and nothing can touch that. No one, no thing, no circumstance can take that salvation away from me. Nothing can touch that salvation. Cancer can't touch it. Illness can't touch it. Loss of finances, loss of friends, or loss of loved ones cannot take that salvation from me or from you if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Listen. David proclaims, he says, I am the God of protection, encouragement, answered prayer, rest, a new day, courage, victory, and salvation. Brothers and sisters, God understands the pain of loss. None of us are exempt from pain and loss in this sin-sick, fallen world. Not a single person in this room. We're not exempt from our jobs, from our bank accounts, from our friends or family members. But just like David did, what we need to do is when we're in the midst of this trouble, we need to declare. We need to declare that our God is greater than all these situations and circumstances and everything that is happening to us and proclaim that God is going to bring us through even before we see the outcome of it. Listen, he said that he would never leave us or forsake us. Now, you remember the verse that I mentioned, John 16, 33, early on? And it says, in this world you will have tribulation or trouble. Brothers and sisters, I didn't finish that verse because the end of that verse says, don't be afraid, I have overcome the world. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. You know, I I listened to part of George's uh, Sunday school class, and he was talking about praying. And you know, sometimes it helps me and strengthens me, especially when I'm going through a tough time, to pray militantly to the Lord. And sometimes I write these things down. I just want you to listen to a couple of these things that the Lord has given me. Listen to this. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. My fight and my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual enemy who opposes me. Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. I will wake up every morning with three words on my mind, yield, filled, and spilled. Lord, I yield my life to you today not my will but your will be done i ask you by faith to fill me again with the holy spirit and then lord may you fill me out on this lost and dying world that needs to know jesus and needs to see jesus in our lives i will not waver when i'm weak i will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse because greater is he that is in me than he that is in 
the world. Today I will give no place to fear or failure. Every time the enemy reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. Thou, Lord, art a shield for me. I will fight. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror of he who loves me. The devil is a liar, and my God always causes me to triumph through Jesus Christ, my Lord. No weapon formed against me will prosper in every evil thing that rises against me. I will condemn thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. I know your plans for me, Lord, plans to prosper me and give me a future. I won't turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I will never stop. I will press toward the mark for the prize that is already mine. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor and neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation shall be able to separate me from my God. And if my God is for me, finish it for me, brothers and sisters. If my God is for me, who can be against me? Let's say it together. Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. I don't know where you are this morning with your walk with the Lord. Listen, everybody in this room's walk with the Lord is different. Well, we come to the time of invitation this morning. There's some of y'all right now that are going through the storm and the fire. And you needed to hear that those proclamations of faith that I can make it. I know that I can make it because Jesus is on my side. Listen, you can stay right where you are, brothers and sisters, and just pray and ask God, give me, God, please give me that faith. Give me that strength to endure what I'm going through right now and remind me of what you have done for me and how you changed my life, how you came into my life, how I'm a new creation. If there's other you, uh, brothers and sisters that might be here this morning, you have no clue what I'm talking about because you've never met Jesus. You've never invited him into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Say, Brother David, you're talking about a shield? What is all that about? Listen, I'm talking about Jesus coming in and changing your life forever, making you a new creation, giving you a home in heaven someday but not just a home in heaven brothers and sisters jesus said i come that they might have life and have it more abundantly and that's what he wants for every single person in this room he wants to give us an abundant life even if we're going through the trials of life we can still have the joy of jesus in our hearts so as we come to this time of invitation this morning i believe a couple of the pastors are going to be standing here at the front you may just need to come down here and pray and that's perfectly fine. That's what this altar is for. Every, every church altar of every evangelical church that I've been in, they encourage you to come down and pray at this altar and give it to the Lord. Give those problems and those trials to the Lord. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, may this be the day of salvation when you can look back and say, man, I was born again. On January 26, 2020, let's come and Lisa can lead us in some music.